Welcome to Caribbean Millennials. Welcome to episode 80 of the Caribbean Millennials podcast. How y'all doing this week? Doing good. Doing great? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I, I cheated at my little cheat meal, you know. So I feel like all that struggle throughout the week was worth it. Oh, gosh. I don't know why I decided to do that to myself. I just decided, you know what? I don't eat any carbs or as little as possible. And I basically eat like zero carbs. But that's good. All week long. You've been on that journey though, haven't you? Minimizing the amount of like carbs you have? No? Bernice? Um, yeah, um, excuse me. <coughs> oh boy. <coughs> Apologies for that. Um <laughs> But yeah, I have been on that journey since um February twenty twenty. Okay. Um I think one of the hardest things for me to give up was bread. Because mm-hmm. there are so many bakeries where I am right now, <clears throat> and there's a particular bread that I always like. It's almost like a comfort food now. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I just grab that and I just take a bite of it. But you know, it was really, it's it's a real lifestyle changer, honestly. So you have to really wean yourself off of certain well, things. H- homeboy did not wean himself off of anything this cold week. He turkey. just went cold turkey, like water carbs. And How I'm over here eating, I was over there eating my bread like, oh, okay, you, you are right. <laughs> I was Honestly, I was fine. I'm going to be honest with you, like, it really did not bother me. Like, and it, it helped me realize that I don't necessarily care about carbs. Oh. All I really care about is meat. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's I fair. don't. I do not care about carbs. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, you know, I, I've realized that as well. Um, I've substituted bread with other things, but um, every once in a while, you know, I might dibble and dabble in a burger, or mm-hmm. you know, some pasta. You know, little things like that because you know, at some point, your body is just like, hey. <laughs> I haven't had this in a while. All um, jokes aside, like, yeah, you need to, you know, try and hook it up. <laughs> yeah, you understand. But the thing is, you have to be careful not to get into an entanglement with the things that you <laughs> put on before. You understand what I'm saying? So, my problem. I'm always oh. in an entanglement with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So what's, your la- what's your latest entanglement, Adani? tell you about this KFC thing I had today. Oh my gosh. Hey. All right. If y'all are listening, y'all heard another voice. So we have Bernice uh, Springer joining us today all the way from Taiwan, y'all. Yo, hello. Hello, hello. All right. Hello. Crossing borders, crossing hemispheres, crossing time zones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we we knew, you know, we had to get her on. We knew this would be a good one. So um, thank you, Bernice, for coming on and um, joining us. Um, before we kind of like roll into things and I um, 
go into more of a you know introduction with Benice and let her tell you guys more about herself. I did kind of want to take some time to address the news of this past week. So okay. as many of you guys have um, heard or seen, uh, Jacob Blake uh, was shot in Kenosha. Um, Kenosha, where is it? Wisconsin? Well. No, Wisconsin, right? Kenosha, Wisconsin, shot in his back like more than seven times and was paralyzed. So this is another, you know, senseless act of violence. Um, you know, anytime we see something else like this, it's like really, you know, what the hell, you know, is this ever going to end? You know, can we see a light? Can we, are we ever going to get, you know, some kind of fair treatment and equality. Um, but I think, you know, it happened at another time where we cannot continue to be silent about these things. We cannot give up on the cause of Black Lives Matter. It's like a movement and a continuous effort. Um, and like, we can never go silent. Like, it's always going to have to be a thing because, you know, the moment we go silent, you know, more and more of these things happen and get um, swept under the rug. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of outrage. A lot of us have, you know, been, you know, all of the emotional things, you know, you're feeling yes. it all all over again. Um, you know, but there's been some boycotting in the different industries, especially athletes and stuff. You also the basketballers um, boycotted many of their game fives. Um, yep. Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, she um, stepped out of her um, match. Yeah, so um, just wanted to bring that up and make sure we address it because I don't want you all to think that we are forgetting about it and, nah, and, and, nobody and not trying about to address it. No, because we're not talking about it means we forget about it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, like, we don't necessarily... I shouldn't say we don't want to talk about it, but it's like so much of it has been happening. Right. We don't want to keep, like, putting it on Up people. Front, it's yeah. a bit heavy sometimes. But, you know... It is what it's yeah. It's the, the the current atmosphere, so right. Um, but you know we're not gonna you know stain the the heavy you know sad uh, kind of energy. Um, this is gonna be a great episode. I feel it in my bones. Um, Bernice is a fellow Saint Lucian. We actually went to school with Bernice. I feel like as long as I know myself in school, I know Bernice. What? <laughs> What's wow. true? Like, I feel like we went to preschool together. Even that, no, that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Bernice has lived in Taiwan for some time. I, you know, I don't know if you're going to feel old, but you know, it's probably over ten years you lived in Taiwan by now. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, you number on it. Well, you went, you, I mean, you left and then you came back, right? Yes. But over the span, yeah. right? Um, so recently, um, she contributed to a book of short stories entitled Black in Asia. And I, you know, I saw the post about the book come out and I was like, oh my God, that's so um, cool. And then I went and I looked and I saw that Bernice was a contributor. And um, is it true, Bernice, you're the only Caribbean person or... Are there others? Well, 
it's just me from the Caribbean island of St. Lucia there. Well, from the Caribbean, an, an island in the Caribbean that's included in the book. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought it was good. For for some time, I've wanted to bring somebody on just to even talk about living in different, you know, countries and experiences, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm, Asia. So mm-hmm. seeing that and also um, being attached to the book, I, I thought you'd be a great person to just oh. talk about your experience of not only being black in Asia, but, mm-hmm. you know, from the lens of a Caribbean person right. and, and, and your experiences. Um, right. Is there anything else you'd like to let the people know about uh, yourself, you know, what you do for oh. work or in your spare time? I mean, I think in my spare time, I have to go all in there too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, no, I think that's 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 basically it. You know, um, I've been in Taiwan. I mean, as as you mentioned, there was a period of time that I was not in Taiwan. So I guess it'll be about ten years minus two and some. Okay. Yeah. So, but still, that's wow. Okay, thinking about it now, I'm like, okay, a sizable chunk of of my life has been lived here. You yeah, know. that's how um, Bernard and I felt when we were like, okay, wait, I came to the States in, what was it, 2008, 2009, or whatever it was. No, uh, anyway, 2008, 2009. 2007. Anyway, I'm going to argue about it. 2009, you were there. Sorry. Yes, I'm right. Thank you. So when we look at it, like, 2008 and we haven't really left for any you know considerable period of time we're like holy shit it's been like coming up 12 years right mm-hmm. um so let's start with the beginning of your like journey how did you even end up going to taiwan in the first place i know it was for education but was right. asia even a thought to you like leading education up to- is the cover story <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> what I heard on the streets was murder the guy. Oh my she gosh. had to flee. I do not I do not, you know, really like personal, you know, things getting thrown into, you know, the whole mix. Especially when they cannot really be substantiated with facts. So um let me street. tell okay? let me tell my story, okay? Now <laughs> so how did I get to Taiwan? Um Asia has always been <laughs> Asia has always been on my radar, obviously, okay. and I'm sure it, it, you you know when Japan specifically was was always on my radar for from the time that I watched Sailor Moon going up to Gundam Wing, Tsunami, you know that was that sort of door that opened me up to you know Japanese anime animation. Had you. Of course, anime had me from the jump, right? So it was. I remember. When I was in Form 5 at convents and we had graduated to the front of the hall, you know, and mm. I was thinking in my mind, you know, where would I see myself in the next 10 years? I had mm. a plan. I wanted to be in Japan. I wanted to work on anime. I wanted to work on manga, those sorts of things that I had, I had that set, you know, and that was one of the reasons why I went to the U.S. to do my um, undergrad Art. in graphic design and communications because mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. Um, Mm. now, um, going to Taiwan now, I was hoping to try to continue that in some way or form, but actually let me backtrack a little bit. Um, 
Taiwan was not on my radar. Asia was on my radar. Japan was on my radar. Taiwan was not on my radar. So when I graduated mm-hmm. university, <clears throat> you know, the job market at that time was really, really tough. I was right. trying to really, because, you know, as a graphic designer, there's a lot of competition out there, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of competition out there. And I was at this point where I didn't really know where I was going, you know, um, whether I had chosen the correct degree. Like it was just, I, I was in like almost a mini existential crisis, you know, and um, I was suggested, you know, to apply for, it was suggested to me to apply to the um, Taiwan scholarship. Um, and I was like, Taiwan scholarship? Um, I Sure, I guess so. I mean, might as well. And then I did it and I got it. And 2011, I graduated May 2011, August 2011, I was already in Taiwan. Wow. The end of August, wow. yeah. Just boom, just ba- bim, bam, boom. Yep. <laughs> um, but it was funny because during my college years, two of my closest friends, the, one was from Taiwan, the other was from, from China, and I had... Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking about that because I met you in D.C. around that yes. time. And yes. I was just thinking, wow, even Bernice's closest friends at the time were Asian. You were just like I manifesting even, that. Like, I just... I mean, I was also part of an international community, and I swear, like, that they just, they were my extended family, honestly. Yeah, like, and they were from really Asia. Nice. Yeah, not just from Asia, you know, they were from, you know, Nigeria. I remember we, we met up in D.C., and yes. then we went and watched, like, some... Um, I don't remember what part of DC, but we went and watched some Asian guys break dancing, and I was like, "Oh my went, god!" I think we went to what was it? We went to like a DC hip hop, some not DC hip hop, like a break dancing festival or something like that. Yeah, yeah I vaguely yeah. remember that. Yeah, wow. but um, yeah, but you know, the transition to to Taiwan, I thought that there would have been a major culture shock on my end. Mm. To be honest with you, from the first week or so i landed i was like hey i have to find a way (laughs) to stay here for a little bit longer because there was just something yeah no it it was it was really interesting now i thought that i would have personally found that in going to japan now funny story um i was looking for um study abroad experiences while i was in college to kind of get me over to japan to kind of you know further my dream of becoming Mm -hmm. a mangaka um now, when I had found a program that I felt was suited for me and was at a reasonable price, I think within about a week or two, that was when, you know, the earthquake and everything happened in Japan. And I was like, eh, eh. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> I guess <laughs> I have to put that on a side for now. Wow. Um, that, was, that was definitely not where I was supposed to be mm-hmm. at that and, time. Uh, yeah. Right. So the doors kind of opened up and I ended up in Taiwan and it was just when when I when I think about the experiences and and, and everything about being here it's like wow. Wow, wow. Mm. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be find that I would find myself here and mm. that I would stay here for this long because initially right. I was supposed to be in Taiwan for one year program. And mm-hmm. so one year <laughs> Turned into Tended. what, like seven, seven plus years now, mm-hmm. uh, and I went and I went back and I came back here, and it's I don't know, man, like, wow, 
it's been a journey. It, it really has been a journey. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you were always interested in Asia. So, had you mm-hmm. already kind of started um, learning the language before you had come there? Because I know a lot of people who got that scholarship just kind of, you know, went in like, oh, snap, <laughs> got to mm-hmm. figure this out. Right. What was your experience with language? Um, I love languages. Um, I did French and Spanish in convents, and then I mm-hmm. did a bit of Japanese on the side um, mm-hmm. with with Marianne um, for about a year or two. Um, right. And so, so, but Chinese was was something totally different. What I had, what I bought in the states, was a little pocketbook which had like basic phrases on how to say this and how to say that. And, you know, they told you about the toads and I had to be careful because if you say something the wrong way, you could be, anyway, you could be telling, <laughs> you could be telling something, somebody a bad word or, you know, you could be asking for, you know, milk or, or, or no, not, not milk, sorry. Um, you could be asking for something else, right? So your intention right. would, be, would be skewed based on, based on the usage of the toads. Um, but the one-year Mandarin language Chinese program was very intensive. So every okay. day we went to class, and that's what we did. We did Mandarin mm-hmm. Chinese, right? So okay. we went to class for about two hours, two or two hours a day, or maybe maximum four hours a day, and that's all we did. So it was a complete immersion wow. course. Yes. So our okay. teachers didn't speak any English to us. They tried to use basic Chinese to explain more difficult vocabulary. That's how they did it. Um, we had to give our presentations in Chinese and, you know, just being in the, in the environment itself, when you had to go buy something, you had to use Mandarin Chinese. When you had to ask people where to go there, there, your directions, you had to Mm. use Mandarin Chinese. So that kind of helped a lot for me. I was, I, I, I really liked it. Like it was just, I guess it was something that I just took to personally because I just felt that it was something so interesting and I'm just like you know let me I mean I'm not saying that I ace all my tests that's not what I'm saying (laughs) that's definitely not what I'm saying but in terms of just using it on a day-to-day basis just like how people on the street would just use it I I felt that I was good in that well and if you have to go about and do things you're forced to use it right like you just have to right it's like they free all in the deep end yeah swim yeah Yeah. Yeah. awesome so i know you went to um university there and there was that scholarship program so you you had other saint lucians and i'm assuming other caribbean people and you know Mm -hmm. it was it was a diverse set of Mm y'all how was um i guess in that circumstance, as well as, you know, moving on from, um, you know, the college environment, how was it kind of maintaining your Caribbean culture yes. and identity? Mm-hmm. And um, and I guess, um, yeah, so let's talk about Caribbean culture and identity well, kind of okay. in that sphere. And then we'll move on to like you also adapting yes, to that, the, that's what I the culture to over yes, there. Yes. Uh-huh. So, um, so first, I guess, tell me about maintaining your culture and identity and as well, I guess, how the Caribbean community has kind of developed and moved over there. Right. Okay, sure. Um, but I, sure. So let me just clarify. So for the first year, um, I, along with quite a few St. Lucians um, and other Caribbean people, um, we were at the language center. So after that one year, we mm-hmm. went to our separate universities. So I was okay. in a university where I was the only St. Lucian. 
Right. But okay. for that first year, um, but for that first year, we were all together and also we stayed in the same um, facilities. Right now, I stayed with um, two other St. Lucians who I knew from since convent. So it was just like, hey, you know, we live in together, you know, it's right. Yeah. So it was good. So Junekoyol, we came together, we would just be kicking off, you know, it was, it was that sort of way to keep the familiarity. You know, right, so you had a sense of home even right. if you of course. Yeah. of course. And I think that still continues to this day because the solution population, at least from what I know, um, has increased um, because more people are coming over here. More people are seeing mm-hmm. what we're doing and they're coming over here. So the mm-hmm. community has increased. Granted, we're kind of separated, you know, from the north and, and the south. Um, right. which, like the north and the south is not grossly if you fought north and south here. Eh? The mm-hmm. North and the South is separated from like a six-hour bus ride, you know. Right. So that um, causes a little bit of a of a problem when we want to really come together and have something big. But for the most part, where where um, the identity has pretty much not pretty much the identity has remained honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So in the language center, let me just backtrack a bit. In the language center, we had people from St. Lucia, we had St. Vincent and the Grenadines. At the time, we had students from the Dominican Republic, and they constituted quite a large number of the foreign students that were in the language center. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that was before the Dominican Republic, you know, um, switched ties from Taiwan to China. To China, um, right. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so the Dominican Republic, let me see, we also had, no, I don't believe the Haitians, no, the Haitians were not in our school. They were in another another language center. But, mm-hmm. um, and St. Kitts and Nevis, yes. yes okay. St. Kitts and Nevis, yes. And so it was good, you know, every day going to school, meeting them. Um, but not only did we have Caribbean students, we also had students from South Korea, we had from Thailand, we had from... Um, let me see, Indonesia, you know, these places. Yeah, like so that it was a really diverse experience, right. not only Caribbean, but, you know, worldwide also. Because, right. um, didn't, wasn't, um, Hungary, wasn't, yeah, um, our friend Deja, I oh, think, Deja, she yeah, met, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think been. she met her, her now fiancé in... In Taiwan. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's, from, he's from Hungary. So yes. that's even you know, showing the diversity, even European, Asian, mm-hmm. Caribbean, oh, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. Latin American. Cool. Um, so then maintaining culture and identity was not right. you know so much an issue because you had that core there you had that familiarity there right. and that was something that you guys maintained mm-hmm. um as you all kind of spread throughout taiwan um and then caribbean community sense like have y'all mm-hmm. um like formed anything official where y'all like do more formal events and that kind of stuff or I is think- it just mm-hmm. It's it's been a little bit interesting because you know when you leave the language center, I guess one of the one of the other things that helped to solidify that bond was that you were all going through a similar experience of learning Chinese, mm-hmm. the ups and downs right. of learning Chinese. So that sort of cemented not only the 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 Caribbean group but also our interactions with other people within the language center setting. Right, so we were right. able to establish friends with from from different countries through that experience. Now once mm-hmm. we left. 
um, to go to our different universities, depending on where we were. It was not necessarily feasible for us to meet up as regularly as we wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, so thank God for technology. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the establishment of a formal Caribbean association per se, we have not really had that yet. What has popped up over the years um, are smaller... Um, smaller sort of organizations or smaller associations. I know the, the countries themselves. So, for example, St. Lucia, we have sort of like an association going on right now. Belize has an association going on right now. St. Kitts and Nevis has theirs and so forth. Um, okay. And so when we've had events, for example, if St. Lucia has an event, we would invite, you know, those other associations to come join us. Okay. You know? and like if you do that independent something. Right, 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 right. Um, okay, cool. And especially since prior to 2015, we, St. Lucia didn't have an embassy. We needed to rely on the community and the already um, established networks that the other St. Mm -hmm. Lucians had made to assist us in our transition, you know? Right. Um, How has that been, like, since having an embassy mm -hmm. for you guys, has it, like, made things, like, a lot easier, easier in mm -hmm, terms mm -hmm, of... Mm -hmm. um, communication and access and yes, needing yeah. things. Okay. Yeah, 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 I believe yeah, it has it has done that. Um and I think it's also it's it's always good to have an embassy to sort of give the community the sort of assurance that you know if they have any issues it can it can be brought to an embassy space instead of trying to find somebody in St. Lucia to come and assist mm -hmm. or, and things like that. So yeah. having the established entity there, just like St. Vincent and the Grenadines, for a long time, St. Vincent and the Grenadines did not have an embassy. They established mm -hmm. an embassy last year, 2019. And so up until 2019, they were pretty much doing things on their own. You know? yeah. And so having that there, I can only imagine is just a breath of fresh air, such a relief for them. Yes, peace of mind. Yes, that's exactly what the embassy serves as. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on to, I guess, your experience um, adapting to the culture um, in Taiwan, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what were maybe some of the... I know you said you were maybe expecting a bigger culture shock, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm mm -hmm. sure you did have culture shock, mm -hmm. you know, certain things, you know, along yeah. along the way. So yeah. are there any stories you, like, want to share with us? I'm I sure you have a turn. <laughs> I think one and, of them. And, <laughs> and there are only two of your stories in the book, so I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my father keeps pushing me to, you know, write a book about all of my experiences here. And I'm like, you know, sure, that's great, but where to start? Um, so let me ask something, because, yeah. you know, I, I've seen um, certain, you know, friends, people in the network, or you just had a stereotype, you know, being black in Asia, did you like... Did you feel like a spectacle? Was it true that people were like trying to take pictures of you or touch you or like, yeah. did you have those experiences? Yeah. And did anybody prepare you for that? Um, like, hmm. 
nobody prepared me for that. But yes, you are correct. Those things do happen, especially in 2011. I think a lot has happened now with, you know, social media and, and the internet and, you know, just having access mm. to things. But in 2011, I mean, even though we just we still had that there, but still in 2011, you had those people who would, you know, stop you on the streets and, you know, take photos of you. Um, they would touch your hair. I mean, I, I know people still do touch touch people's hair now. They don't do that to my hair, um, <laughs> thankfully. But um, yeah, I there has have definitely been instances where people have mistaken us or have mis you know have misidentified us as you know um, celebrities because of our dark skin. <laughs> no actually well somebody did tell me i look like Nicki minaj now i'm just i'm going to not <laughs> entertain that but somebody did tell me i look I like Nicki minaj i do i, I, I would <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know i don't say anything but i am <laughs> secretly that's my that's my um, alter ego but anyway um, let me see. What's what else? Yeah. So I remember my first year. Um, I was, you know, when those sort of um, those sorts of track those short pants that people go for jogging regularly, and I just use use that as my house clothes. And my landlord came in because he wanted to sort out the rent, and he came with his wife. Um, and you know, he was sorting out the rent and everything, and he was just asking, like, "Oh, are you?" Are you going running? You know, those are the things that, you know, people like 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 you wear to go running because black people are very good at running. And I'm just like, eh, eh, okay. What? Well, um, <laughs> you know, there are things like that. I remember the most, one of the most memorable experiences, and this is not as a black person, but as a Caribbean person. Mm-hmm. I went into Cold Stones to get some ice cream. And I was speaking to the lady in Chinese and, you know, she was like, oh, you know, your Chinese is really, really good. Where are you from? And I told her I was from the Caribbean. And the shock on her face, she was just like, oh, my gosh. She's like, are you a pirate? And I'm like, no, the lady, I am not a pirate. And that's one of the things that, you know, pirates of the Caribbean, bless its intention, but the fact that... People have consumed it so much to think that we as Caribbean people are automatically pirates. You know, that's wow. just, it's, it's funny. And she's like, you know, how did you get her? Did you get her by your boat? I'm like, no, I can't well, yes. by a plane. If I was a pirate, how would I enter the country? You know, they'd probably like stop me at the borders right away. You know, that's what I mean, I mean, if not for Pirates of the Caribbean, they would probably be relying on like roots or, or like. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's 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 true, and I think it just shows the impact of Western media in sort of right. blanketing the 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 black experience. You understand what I'm saying? So that's mm-hmm. that's basically and another story. So I don't want to keep on talking forever. No, go ahead. Um, another story, um, when I first purchased Chinese food, I realized that what I had been eating for years in St. Lucia from Sitao was, was not Chinese food. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Like, Go ahead. That no, ask. no, ask. ask yeah, me. because it's like, so what was your, yeah, what was your thought? Like, mm-hmm. what did you get? Mm-hmm. That's the first question. What did right. you get? I believe I was trying to look for something that was similar to Nancy Glory. Because I love Nancy Glory. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) 
Dancy Glory and I realized that the flavors were completely different. The portion size was different. The just, and I realized everything was just different. And it was a learning experience for me as well because it was then I realized, okay, Chinese food in the Caribbean or Chinese food in other places around the world most likely cater the flavors to the local population, (laughs) right? So now I'm in the place you know, where these different, you know, this, this, this food not necessarily originated from, um, but is, is prevalent. You understand what I'm saying? And that (laughs) was definitely an eye opener. Don't mind me. I finish all my food. Um, (laughs) and I continue to finish all my food, you know, with the more purchases that I, you know, that I made of, of, of the various dishes, um, in, in, in Taiwan. And also just, just to note, um, Taiwan has a very rich gastronomy. I feel, Okay. Right now, some people, some people, when they see me eating, you know, local Taiwanese cuisine, and I tell them that it's good, they don't trust me because I eat <laughs> anything. But anyway, that's that's a different matter. But to be quite honest, there's so many. The, Taiwan has really been influenced by so many different cultures because its history as well. You know, it used to be colonized by the Dutch. Um, you had. Um, the indigenous Aboriginal communities that reside in Taiwan presently, and there are 16 of them here who, who that are different from the Han Chinese that ended up coming into Taiwan um, at a later stage. Um, what I know I look for here in Texas are the yeah. Taiwanese bakeries. So oh, I don't girl, yes, girl, yes. what your yes. bakery situation yes. is like. The <laughs> bakeries. Oh my goodness, the bakeries. Bakery after bakery after bakery. And I mean, granted, they sell pretty much the same thing, but the fact that there are so many ways that you can get access to the bread that you want or the, or the cookies or the pastries that you want is just fantastic. Um, so, yeah, Taiwan is, is, is very much known for its pastries, its, its pineapple cakes, um, mm-hmm. its um, bubble tea. Taiwan is the birthplace yep. of bubble tea, okay, yes. just to let you all know. Um, but I haven't had it in a while because a friend of mine told me it was like what five hundred calories in a in a in a in a cup. Tell that tell that friend you don't need that negativity in your life. You okay, what I'm saying? you understand what I'm saying? But um, yeah. But anyway, sorry. Going back to the adapting mode. Yeah, I went all over the place. Um, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Have time. <laughs> so, so I have a question for you. So being over there for yeah. so long, do you find yourself now like? When you cook, because I assume you cook for yourself, do you mm. find yourself cooking more Taiwanese cuisine more now Asian for yourself? Inspired, yeah. Asian inspired cuisine. <laughs> I mean, fix a lot, but with a Taiwanese twist. I find myself. I find myself cooking food that's edible for me. <laughs> so whatever I can get my hands on, whatever recipe that I can follow, pretty much to a T, that I don't, you know, that will not put me at risk of throwing whatever it is that I cooked, I will. You understand what I'm saying? But I think I've also. Let me see. It's so easy to eat out in Taiwan. There are very, very cheap places because quite a few buildings do not are not necessarily fitted with kitchens. So that's one of the reasons oh. why you have night markets, for example. Taiwan is Taiwan oh has my so God. many. I night have YouTube okay. the Taiwanese yep. night markets and gone down yep. the rabbit hole so many times. Yep, night markets. That's where you can get your 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 meals for a dollar up and yes, for I, I think at max. 
like a three dollars or something like that you can get you know meals things that are substantial things that will fill you they're not necessarily so the healthiest however <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> i mean i've i've tried um and i and i was doing very well um for the past couple of months but there are certain points where you just kind of fall off the train of cooking and just like, you know, let me just yeah. eat out. Yeah. No, let me eat out once and then I will cook. But then, you know, once turns into two, three times and then you find yourself eating out for like the, for like two weeks straight or like three weeks straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so easy to do that here and it's, it's cheap to do that here. Like you have 7-Elevens, you have a 7-Eleven, which is a, con- well, you know, 7-Eleven convenience store, but Taiwan right. has another convenience co- store called Family Mart and then another one called High Life. Right, and sometimes you will find a 7-Eleven on one side of the street, the family mat on the other side of the street, and then a, a, a high life maybe a couple meters away. Right, mm. so the convenience there is is yeah. amazing. And and, so and I think that's a trend all throughout Asia, though, just oh, yeah. like convenience accessibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like um, the, the convenience stores. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I, don't want to. I have a question on, um, um, like, what were things that will just, like, so now that you've experienced it, you can't live without, you know, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, what's, like, your cost, right? So you said um, eating out you know, it's fairly cheap, uh-huh. but like, what would you consider like cheap things to do there versus like expensive things like to do there? Like, or like is, um, apartments, are those expensive or, mm-hmm. you know, pricier or that kind of thing? Right. Okay. Um, so the one thing that I probably would not be able to, I guess, live without hair, I would say the 7-Elevens. The reason that I say that is because the 7-Elevens hair, Oh my goodness! Compared to the Seven Elevens in the United States, who? Oh. Anyway, so you when you go to a Seven Eleven in Taiwan, you can pay your bills. You can pick up packages. Some Seven Elevens mm. you can even wash your clothes, right? You can have wow. um, services delivered to you. You can buy a train ticket. You can buy concert tickets. You can um, update your um, little smart trip card. You can. Um, get your phone bill you can top up your phone there and it's 24 hours right it's 24 hours correct mm-hmm. it is yeah. 24 hours so i think the seven, the convenience of the 7-eleven hair that is something that um that i don't think i would be able to live without right right yeah um and what was what was the other question again you said uh, like um, what do you oh, the living expenses yeah living expenses um Living expenses, it depends on where you go. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's similar to the United States. Like some areas would be cheaper than others. Um, so let me see. If you were to go to southern Taiwan, you could probably pay about 300 US dollar. No, let me see. 400 or 500 US dollars for a really, really nice furnished place. Size of the okay. place. Right. Right. Um, the last place that I lived in, which was further up, um, further north, um, in Taiwan, in a place called Dantry, that's also cheaper. The rent is cheaper up there as opposed to downtown Taipei. So okay. I paid about four hundred US dollars for 
an apartment that had furnished kitchen that had a washing machine and also had a jacuzzi and it was in a high-rise mm. building which had amenities like a restaurant at the top you had okay. a movie theater downstairs you had like a small library um that that, that sort of stuff so it really depends Why on would you would... Be? <laughs> <laughs> then again you have those spaces that are a little bit questionable as with other you know places yeah. around, around the world but for the most part you can get a pretty decent um, living space for a pretty decent amount of money. Like you don't necessarily have to break the bank per se, depending. Because if you're a scholarship student, for example, that right. might be something that you you know you're a little bit um, uh, concerned about. But for the most part, it's 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 doable. Definitely doable. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of touched on the culture and some positive experiences. And mm-hmm. um, well, well, I had a question about <laughs> culture for her. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. with regards to, like, you know, Caribbean culture, when you moved over there, mm-hmm. I mean, did any of, how were the people, the, like the Taiwanese themselves, receptive mm-hmm. to Caribbean culture? Because I'm assuming, you know, you made friends over there. Were they like curious about our culture and you know wanting to like find out and you know you're trying to like Yeah. So like when Vernon and I came to school in the States, both of us more or less ended up having an American family that ended up just adopting us for us just making a friend, friend. that yeah. was really good. Mm-hmm. And then for each one of us, that friend or whatever came ended up St. coming Lucia, to St. Lucia, and they right? Were all so what was that away. like for you? Um, so I realized that Caribbean culture, Caribbean music specifically, came to Taiwan before I landed. So <laughs> let me explain you that. When, <laughs> when I, but it wasn't, it wasn't like Japan, for example, because when you go to yeah. Japan, you know that, you know, Caribbean culture is absorbed and is just eaten yeah, up, you know, by... They, you have know, their, they have their carnival and all of that. Right, so, exactly, yeah. exactly. But in Taiwan, it's a little bit... Yeah, it's, it's, not as, it's not as big. But I remember joining a... I remember joining a hip-hop dance crew at my... at, at the school where I was doing my language, my language training. And the guys there... That was the first time I heard Vibes Cartel being, play, being played in Taiwan. And I was like, wait a minute... It's like my ears kind of poked up because I was like, I'm hanging. <laughs> Brennan has the biggest <laughs> smile on his face right now. I was hanging. You're like, hold on. I know this. I know <laughs> I this sound. I know this. And I'm like, why is this playing? Who is playing it? And I'm seeing people Could dancing to Vibes Cartel and other dance hall. And then I ended up meeting a guy there and he was talking about, yeah, you know, I like dance hall. When he found out I was from the Caribbean, he was so happy. He's like, I love dance hall and blah, blah, blah. And he, he said that, you know, he was looking at videos and he, he, and I was just like, oh no, he saw the videos. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, he saw the videos, but. Um, but he's like, oh no, the guy's like, yes, yes, I saw the videos. <laughs> um, but it was, it's, it's, I was just like, okay, so at least you guys know that we exist. You understand <laughs> that the Caribbean exists. Not necessarily St. Lucia. You would not necessarily know where St. Lucia is. Yeah, but you know yeah. that the Caribbean exists. Um, Jamaica, you know, as with, 
you know, many other countries have sort of opened that door to people understanding more about Caribbean culture and receiving Caribbean culture. Um, now you have, let me see, you've had, you have, you now have a, quite a few festivals like Afro Latino, um, Afro Latin festivals. You have Afro Caribbean festivals. They're not really, really big, but you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're okay. They're, and then you have small they're. events, you know, um, on the side. It's not as big. We have not had like a big carnival, like, mm -hmm. actually, no, I lie. I know the Brazilian the Brazilian mission um, tries to host like some sort of carnival. I remember attending a carnival not too long ago here in Taipei, but in terms of like a real Caribbean, like a Trinidadian carnival or a mission carnival, you don't really find that here at all. You don't have that here at all compared to, compared to Japan. And even in Korea, I was, I was surprised because there was a restaurant there. I went to have some jerk chicken um, at a Korean restaurant and I stepped I into I said, I mean, it was not bad. It was not bad. I stepped into the restaurant, and let me tell you, Red Stripe. I saw, <laughs> I saw Red Stripe <laughs> as part of the decor. I saw pictures, you know, Bob Marley, things like that. And apparently the guy, the chef, he's Korean. You understand? He was, he's Korean, but he went to Jamaica, um, and he studied how to, he studied how to, you know, do um, jerk chicken and all these sorts of things. So he came back to Korea, and then he opened that. That okay, okay. Um, so you had that sort of cultural exchange thing going on here. But the reception of Caribbean culture, they really do like it because it's something that they do not know. Um, mm -hmm. And especially since the majority of Taiwan's diplomatic allies are in the Latin American and Caribbean region, you know, mm -hmm. I, it's, it's important for them to know. Um, St. Lucia participated in the Double Ten um, parade, and the Double Ten is pretty much um, like Taiwan's National Day parade. And we had carnival costumes brought up. The Tribe of Twelve, they sent up some carnival costumes um, to participate in in the parade. So we were the only Caribbean country, you know, represented in that way. So we had three carnival costumes. Um, we had several that were made for some of the nationals here, and then we paraded down with, you know, all the other floats and everything like that. So it was definitely a way to highlight Saint Lucia. You know, mm -hmm. and so that was that was really good. And we've had there there are students who have their own small cultural events in their own universities. Because what I like is that the universities try to do like international fairs and and things I like do. that. So the students have promoted their um, Saint Lucian culture, their own Caribbean culture in those in those spaces um, via that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, so it's Adani, you have any questions for Benice before I continue? So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? <laughs> that's that's one thing about Taiwan. It's like it's it's so easy to get around to different places. There's so much to do. You have um gondola rides, you have um let me see, you have ice skating, you have um rollerblade, ro roller skating rinks, you have let me see, you have movie theaters out the wazoo, you have, let me see, I mean, I eat for fun, eh? Let me just say that. <laughs> I, eat, I eat for fun. So um, I will try out new restaurants as long as they're within my budget, try out new restaurants. You know, if I go to a Korean place one day, I'll go get some Mexican tacos another place. There are no Caribbean restaurants here. Really? Not one. There was one place I thought was a Caribbean restaurant. It was, what was it called? It was called Caribbean Blue or something like that. I can't remember. But I went in and they gave me like a quiche. And I said, mm, 
<laughs> thanks. So, um, yeah, but there are no Caribbean restaurants here. Um, so we have to make do. Um, if we want to make green fig and saltfish, for example, we can get the saltfish. It's, it's funny because the saltfish that we get comes from Korea because it's a the type of fish that is in Korea when it's dried. Um, well, they, they they dry it, they package it, and send over to Taiwan. Yeah, so the saltfish in Korea, it's pretty much from the same fish that we would usually make saltfish back home. So mm-hmm. um, it's dried and it's packaged. The only thing is that it's not salted. So when you're cooking it, mm-hmm. when you're boiling it, you need to add the salt to it. But That's after salt. that, it's, it's pretty much good. It's pretty much the same thing. And with the green fig, it's more, there, there are varieties of bananas here in Taiwan that mm-hmm. can be used as a substitute for green fig. Right. So we just use those. They are not really available in Thai paper. Say you have to go down to the south where it's more like an agricultural um, type, like mm-hmm. the farmer. Yeah. So you have to go down there to get it and, 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 and stuff. So we make do with what's there in terms of trying to recreate our, you know, some of our local dishes and, mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things you did not bring up that we mm-hmm. spoke about earlier, positive experiences. Uh-huh. Tell us about the Wi-Fi. The way The positive experiences. <laughs> okay. Just, just, just stunt on a Danny for a second with what you're able to do. <laughs> sure. Sure. So I'm on my phone right now and I have data on my phone. Now I'm not too worried about the data. Why am I not too worried about the data? Because I purchased a limited for one month for 35 US dollars, the equivalent of 35 US dollars, which means that mm-hmm. I can be on this call with you, right? With little to no interruptions. And I can hear you clearly. You can hear me clearly. I can, you know, get notifications like bam, bam, bam. I can watch my Netflix on my phone, right? I can also share the data to my laptop and I can watch it there. And, you know, I can feel comfortable. And but even just room. like there's Wi-Fi everywhere. Oh, there's right? Wi-Fi in, everywhere as well, yes. There's Wi-Fi in the train station. There's Wi-Fi in quite a few of the restaurants now because they can provide you with the password and you can just log in and you're good, especially like the smaller cafes. Or like Starbucks, you, you can get, you can obviously get that Starbucks, yeah, but the yeah. cafes now, yeah, you, can, you have that. The parks, the national parks, you can get Wi-Fi there depending on where you go. Granted, the range may be a little bit different, but yeah. for the most part, hey, it's, you, have, you have access. You have access. So, okay, so we spoke about a lot of, like, your positive experiences mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What would you say were some of the more, like, challenging experiences that you've had, you know, living in Taiwan or in Asia? It could mm-hmm. or couldn't be, like, related to being Caribbean or Black. Right, right. Um, you know, this year, especially with all of the Black Lives Matter um, mm-hmm. movement, you saw stories coming out of China, more specifically about mm-hmm. um, people being racially targeted. Africans, you know, a lot of Africans mm-hmm. saying they were r- being racially targeted to get out of um, their apartments and, right. and stuff like that. Have you heard or seen of any of that kind of treatment or or just, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be related to race, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, what have been some of your challenging experiences? Um. 
Okay, so my personal experiences, thank God, um, I believe 98% of it has been positive. The other 2% mm. is just the constant, um, the constant reminder um, mm. of who I am as a, as a black person, that I am a black person first before anything else. You okay. understand what I'm saying? And yeah. so it's not... I mean, even though that I've learned the language and I think I've pretty much assimilated to a decent degree right. in, in, into the culture, you know, I will always be seen as a foreigner. I'll always be seen as a black person. Okay. That's, right. That's and so there are certain misconceptions um, uh, that you see here and there are certain, how should I say, there are certain ideologies and there are certain um, ways in which people sort of want to remind you of your otherness mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so even a, a lot of people will, will will mention for example the train like sitting on like people will not really sit next to you on the train station for example um for me if they don't want to sure for right. that's that's not, like more legroom for me that's like what i'm saying i can put my bag on the seats you know uh, but it's also I remember there was a time I just felt so, I, I felt anxious. There were times where I felt anxious, like stepping into the train station because I knew that mm-hmm. I was the only person that did not fit in, you know, in that whole yeah. space. But it's when I realized that I have the right to take up space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's when I was like, you know what? It, it really doesn't matter to me. If you want to look at me, up and down, you can look at me up and down, that's not my business, but I am here, I was not born for your approval, I was not born, you know, for you to, you know, have your misconceptions about me, that has nothing to do with me, that's not my business, so Mm -hmm. I will navigate through those spaces as I usually do, Um, whatever you you have to say about that, that's, that's, that's your business, but there have been um issues now in taiwan we have not really seen you know like in in china as you mentioned where you had people africans being forcibly removed from their living quarters here in taiwan you have we've had issues with blackface right Mm. we have had incidences with blackface yes (laughs) right um and i think that's also an issue in places in, in south korea for example especially now that the Ghanaian meme has become so popular people are trying to copy that now, obviously, you can put on the dress, you can ha- put on the dress, put on the costumes, and have a coffin, and people obviously know what you're, what you're, you know, what's 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 you're portraying. Right. But um, the extra added step of putting blackface on—that's what causes the issue. The now, yeah. a lot of Taiwanese say when when these things happen, right? Um, a lot of Taiwanese, and, and, and there's a reaction, there's a rightful reaction from the foreigner community, from the black community. A lot of um, Taiwanese, uh, based on social media spaces that I'm, that I'm on, they would say, oh, this has nothing to do with us. Stop bringing like your Western sort of, um, your Western um, issues or, or problems over to this side of the world. Now, my counter argument is that already you have been consuming western <laughs> western you know western i i am um, not western ideals western influences our music the the news the yeah. movies all of those things you are already consuming so if you're consuming all of those things why will you not 
at least understand that specific aspect that causes people who look like me, you know, discomfort. Why would you, why would you not do that? Like, I just don't necessarily see the sense of filtering out what you do consume when you put it on out there, someone has an issue with it because of its Western roots. You're like, oh, we don't want to have that sort of correction. You understand? Um, so I guess that's that's my biggest issue. But yeah, we we've had we've had people um, putting on blackface. They're like, oh, it's not it's not harmful. You know, we're not doing it out of any spite. But I'm just like, okay, you may not be doing it out of spite, but there are things called copycats, and those copycats mm. will see you doing that and then they will don this sort of makeup under the guise that they are under the guise that they did it so they can do it, that these these people did it so they can do it too regardless of their inner intentions right 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 and so yeah that 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 causes an that that causes an, an issue and i and i've had to find myself trying to explain that um, two people in both English and in Chinese, and mm. you know, you have you have a mix. Over the years, <laughs> your vocabulary or um, <laughs> conversations you've been able to navigate in Chinese. Yeah, because you know, people don't understand English. Eh? I mean, granted, Taiwan wants to be a bilingual country by 2030. Right. I mean, I think that's a feat in itself, but you know, you have to really reach the people where they are at. Mm-hmm. You understand? I'm saying you need to probably break down concepts that they don't know to be able to be like, hey, this is this is the issue. Because when you really look at it, white supremacy is the lens through which our humanity is being looked at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So regardless of whether you're black, whether you're Asian, as as soon as white supremacy came onto the scene, we were even me using the terms black and Asian. That was, you know, the race, the racial sort of categories, that type of thing. But white supremacy gave it a sort of, sort of degraded it further, reduced it, you know, to the color of our, to the color of our skin. And in addition to reducing it, it has added some certain um, characteristics. Mm-hmm. Right. So white supremacy is the lens through which humanity is being looked, um, looked, looked through. Sorry, I, I said it, I said it better. Hu- humanity is being looked through the lens of white supremacy, basically. Mm-hmm. So whether you're black or Asian, even the categories that I'm using right now, black or Asian, those categories in themselves, it's, it's like reducing an individual mm-hmm. to their racial, oh, racial, oh my goodness, to, to, to the identifiers that mark them as different, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's something else. I'm going to ask you something personal, but I think you're like diplomatic to, to dodge it if you're uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> what has even, because I believe you're single, right? What has oh. even like the dating scene was, even been like for thing. you in yeah. Taiwan? The dating scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't mind. I, well, I'm, I'm single. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The dating scene here. There's a lot of fetishization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, that, that word always kind of gets to me. Yeah, of black people. Of course, of black people. And, you know, it's the way Western media has portrayed us, honestly. And I think, once again, it kind of all goes back to the fact that 
black be, being black like like what what necessarily is being black is it black from the western lens or or, mm. or or what is it and so i guess for caribbean people for for african people we are seen through this sort of sexualization of of our features and basically mm. the sort of assumption that we can maybe satisfy you know certain needs that 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 you have or, or whatever um but you get that um, but it's it's a mixed bag because in in the United States I'm sure you guys get that as well or or, or people have have yeah. gotten that as well. Um, but I think it's interesting when we talk about it from the East Asian context of context or from the Asian context. I wonder is is it because a lot of people don't necessarily have an understanding of the mindset of the people over there. Because we all know about how, I guess, how Americans think or how Western people right. think. But what about yeah. the East? Like, you know, we're curious to know whether or not they also subscribe to certain ideologies that we see happening in the West or that we see being, right. you know, expressed in the West. So yeah. so I guess I, I understand where that, where that question is, yeah. is coming I mean, from. We, we, we see that some of them that they do, right? Like there's still a, a colorism issue oh, yeah. in the Eastern oh, yeah. Hemisphere. Like there's still some things that you know regardless of what part of the world you are in like mm-hmm. lighter skin is better and oh, yeah. like you know stuff like that still still kind of right. matters so right, there is some right, kind of right. ideology and dogma even within their their culture right right they are subscribing to on some kind of level now whether exactly that, whether that proceeds um the british and um europe colonizing most of asia i don't know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there might be some link or it might have come from before that so they, it, they it came from definitely... so, yes sorry sorry to cut you off just to provide a little bit of context because when you look at for example um, imperial china right people who were considered lighter skin were those who were not really working who were living a very good life so those right. were the farmers, those who were doing menial jobs, they were darker skin, they were able to be identified as such. So already there mm. was this sort of colorism. Now, mm. Europe, Britain also ended up coming into the region at some point. You know, you had India, you had um, Hong Kong, you had, uh, you know, even Japan, you know, Japan. You, had the Euro- yeah, you had the Europeans coming, the Philippines, I, I can't forget them, you know. Mm. Um, so you've had European influences in this region as well. And that has also added to the pre-existing um, ways in which skin, you know, skin was being views, viewed. Um, and yeah, you know, lightning creams, skin lightening creams, you know, when you look at India, when you look at the Philippines, for example, it's a big mm-hmm. business. It's a big business. Just like when you go to Jamaica, for example, skin bleaching, that that, that sort of thing is, is a way to sort of elevate your status. It's the same thing in the Philippines. Right, the same thing in India because whiteness has always been equated to something better, something good, and once again, it just shows that the world is pretty much wearing, wearing you know, the lens of white supremacy now, and and it's become so. I guess even for us as as black people, sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes we don't even realize that we are also perpetuating that sort of um, ideology, you know, because yeah. we've. we've you know, we've we've pretty much been in it for 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 so long. Um, but yeah, the dating scene—I mean, it is what it is. You get a mixed bag, honestly. I think for me, 
for me and my house, right? Um, <laughs> I am just focusing on, you know, just doing what I have to do and just um, enjoying Taiwan as, 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 as much as possible. If the time comes, the time comes. If I do get yeah. somebody here, I get someone here. I'm not stressing. Let me just drink my water. <laughs> yeah, the reason why I asked especially the reason I asked especially was because, you know, explaining I guess some of the like homogeneous structure and mm-hmm. even like um on a relationships and openness level if people are even like actively not wanting to sit by you and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, forging deeper connections and then also, you know, is some would it be a situation where um, somebody is, you know, maybe willing to be in a relationship with you in, mm-hmm. in some capacity, but mm-hmm. they will not marry you. They need to marry a, a Taiwanese person, mm-hmm. you know, or, or yeah. something like that because the familial structure yeah. and mm-hmm. the expectations and whatnot are, mm-hmm. are not as such. That was that was the basis of my question. That's fine. I mean, you have... no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> hey, that's okay. But yeah, you do have all of those situations happening. You... I have seen, um, you know, cross-cultural relationships happening. So you have, mm. but I see a lot of it with, you know, the Taiwanese, for example, or Asian girls dating foreign foreign guys. So you either right. have a Taiwanese dating a black guy or a Taiwanese dating a white guy, um, Taiwanese girl, but you don't really see that the other way around, obviously, mm-hmm. um, for, for, for obvious reasons. Um, it's just... Um, you do have people who said, who, hey, hey, but why are you laughing there? Um, <laughs> but you do have situations where people are willing to, but you know, it comes with the pressure from family yeah. um, as well. And so that's, that's, that's a little bit, that's a little bit difficult, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, last couple of questions, right? Uh-huh. So living in Taiwan for so long, um, yeah. Can you see yourself as living, you know, somewhere else? Do you mm-hmm. still kind of have the dreams of going to other parts of Asia based on, mm-hmm. like, some of your travels? Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I thought I could have seen myself staying in Taiwan forever, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I guess as thoughts turn to, you know, the future, you know, having a family, um, etc. I mean, I'm, I, I guess it's still a little bit far off, but... Um, I'm not exactly too sure if this may be the best mm-hmm. um, thing right now, especially considering if I were to um, get married or um, with with a, a Taiwanese or, or an Asian, you know, my kid will be biracial, but right. they will not necessarily be accepted. You understand what I'm saying? Because of the color, yeah. and I don't necessarily want to put my my child through through something like that you understand what i'm saying but yeah and kids oh, can be cruel too oh, kids right? can definitely be cruel yeah um visiting other parts of the world oh yes definitely on my list but you see covid covid just quas everything <laughs> i wanted to go back to hong kong hong kong was a place that i really really loved i wanted to go back to japan because i went to japan in 2014 with deja and mm-hmm. that was great. Oh, that was great. We did a 12-day, I think it was 12 day or 14 days, like backpacking around mm. around Taiwan. We went to five prefectures, Hiroshima. We went to Osaka. We went to Tokyo. We went to Kyoto. We went to Nara. And mm. um, that that was great. But you know what was interesting? Ta- um, Japan was the place that I wanted to be in. I wanted to mm. live there. 
But mm-hmm. after traveling there, probably it was because I had already spent two or three years in Taiwan prior to going to Japan for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I realized, you know, even in visiting Japan, that was probably not the place I was supposed to be in because mm-hmm. I could already sense that there was something a little bit different. Is that maybe it was because the language barrier, but that there's also an added cultural layer yeah. in Japan, which I feel is more, um, how should I say, more restrictive on foreigners yeah. as as Taiwan. As as, as I was Thai- going to say, like, there's that Dan kind Thai- of controlled, like, mm. streamline, boom, 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 you know, it, kind it of vibe. The hierarchy, Japan. the hierarchy, yes, the hierarchy yeah. there, and it's and it's difficult to get a job in 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 Japan unless you are fluent in the Japanese mm-hmm. language, or at least you are you know, of, a, of a considerable level. So I guess Taiwan was, was pretty much the next best option, and I won't lie, it's, it has been fantastic. But yeah, I've, I've, I want to go to so many places. I've been to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Singapore was great. Um, I think the only thing that I kind of had an issue with, I guess it's because I didn't go there for a longer period of time for me to actually see you know, the little the little cultural nuances of Singapore because Singapore is a melting pot, right? Singapore mm-hmm. is a melting pot. Um, but w- what I pretty much saw were tall buildings, it being the financial center. So right. I'm, I'm more of a person who gravitates to the cultural aspects of the place. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a little bit too much for me, but I don't mind going back. I would love to go back. Mongolia is another I, place I that I want to, to visit. Singapore as well. I just find yes. it fascinating. Singapore is about the size of St. Lucia. Yes. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But the, the things they manage to do is just, you know, Let really, me tell really you, cool. it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, also the South Pacific as well. You have um, even the Pacific Islands as well. You have Nauru, you have Palau, you have Fiji, you have all of those spaces. And, you know, I think being in the region itself, it just makes going to those places so much more accessible. More accessible, yeah. Oh, Definitely. Uh- so, Bernice, um, mm. last question, right? Yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, we live in a dream world imagining that COVID is going to <laughs> just yeah. magically disappear or whatever. But, I mean, there are people also kind of denouncing the whole, you know, I'm living where I am thing and I'm just going to, you know, pick up and go. And mm-hmm. I mean, you had seen that trend, you know, moving into Asia as well, mm-hmm. lots of parts of Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess even, you know, even us talking now, you know, and anything, I want to go to Singapore, you know, mm-hmm. I know one of Vernon's, yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, I know one of Vernon's dream trips is Japan, Japan. right? Yep, yep. Um, so, like, with that, you know, people who, like, don't know much or, you know, are kind of on the fence on, like, um, either taking a trip or, like, even flat out saying, okay, I'm going to move, <laughs> you know, move, I'm just gonna... <laughs> what would kind of be some of the, like, advice or, you know, that you would give um, mm-hmm. people looking to that that region? First of all, I would say, come, if you are on the fence come please it's an experience to be quite honest i think it's something that not many people are necessarily talking about especially from the black perspective um Mm. i know that there are a couple of channels that have popped up like black experience japan i think it's hosted by a guy from trinidad i believe it is um and he definitely interviews he, he goes around um asia and tries to interview stories you know of black people being here. So I guess research as much as you can. Um, come, 
But before you come, also do your research because I think we don't want to become too enchanted with the place for us to sort of overlook the realities that you might face, especially as uh, especially as a black person. Um, mm-hmm. You are going to be seen as somebody different there. Duh. Right. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is, regardless of um, how you want to be perceived. Um, people are going to perceive you a, a certain way. I mean, you will find very close friends. You will find people who have made your stay amazing. And I have, I have found, you know, people here, local Taiwanese who have, who have just been amazing. And, and those who've been in Korea, like if I go to Korea, I go and visit my, my, my sister in my sister, quote unquote, in Korea, who I met at the language center. And there are people who I can go visit in Malaysia. Oh, Malaysia is another place I want to visit. Um, but do your research understands the reality that you will not be threatened for your life. Hey, that's Mm. the peace of mind. But at the same time, note that white supremacy, um, or uh, sorry, not white supremacy, anti-blackness. Anti-blackness is already here and it will manifest itself in certain ways that um, you may be aware of you or you may not be aware of. I think you would probably have to choose your battles in that regard because even mm-hmm. for me, I feel that if I were to react to every single thing, even the microaggressions, if I were to react to every single thing, I would probably mm. lose that sort of, um, of, 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 of passion or that love that I have for this piece. Or I would probably discount awesome. all of the other positive experiences that's, that, that right. I had before because of a few things. So just be aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. Also come with an open mind um, also, do not be afraid to learn the language. There have been people mm-hmm. that I have met here who have lived in Taiwan for almost 20 years and they have not learned the language. Please. Oh, wow. If you are coming here for an extended period of time, just try to at least learn a few phrases of the language. The, the, the locals will definitely be, um, you know, just happy to know that you are trying to be on their level or that you are trying to communicate with them in a tongue that is most comfortable to them. You know, mm-hmm. they would really, really appreciate that. Um, also, um, for those who are coming from abroad, try to, to also understand that the country that you're in is not the same as the country that you came from. Mm-hmm. So don't necessarily expect things to look the same way as you would have expected in the country that you came from. And I guess a different does not necessarily mean good or bad. Exactly. Well. It's just different. Yes, it's just mm-hmm. different. So just come with an open mind as well. There are ways to navigate it. There are some things that you can navigate, something that's, some things that you will not be able to navigate, but that's that's pretty much um, the, 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 the deal when it comes to things like that. Um, let me see. Also, if, if, if you're vegan, if you have any sort of, Diet, dietary restrictions and so forth. Try to research that beforehand as mm-hmm. well. I know in Taiwan there are quite a few places that have opened up like vegan restaurants, vegetarian restaurants, keto places, that, that sort of thing. And there are also restaurants who cater to everybody who do have certain options that can help with your dietary restrictions. But just also um, check on that as, as well. Um, healthcare system here has been amazing. Um, I can probably go get to see an eye doctor, or I can go see a doctor to check out like an air throat, an, an eye, an air throat. EMT. Air, air, yes, right. Sorry. <laughs> For about $3, you know, about oh, wow. $3. Copay. 
coping, yeah. right? Um, I, one of my um, closest um, co-workers is Taiwanese and she multiple times left and went on vacation to go to Taiwan yep. to get her yep. dental done yep. or whatever done. Because yep. she's, she's, she's watching it and she's saying, why the hell are I going to stay here? But and true. I pay all of that when I can but buy it to get to Taiwan, get my procedure, then take vacation, and it will all be cheaper than what I would pay yeah. just to get the procedure done in the states under insurance coverage. Right? I remember a friend of mine he had to get his, his appendix removed, and he stayed in the hospital for like about three nights or something like that, and I think he had to pay about nine thousand US. I'm not too sure if it was three thousand NT, three thousand NT, which is about. 100 US a night, or if it was 100 US throughout his whole stay, and he was in the hospital. That's, for about a, that's a hotel five days. room, eh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so he was. <laughs> so he had the surgery and everything, and he stayed there for, you know, less than about 500. Yeah, I mean, I, of course it depends because there are private practices here as well. Right, you know? right. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. But those are, those are the other things that I would say. So come. Um, research beforehand, come with an open mind, knowing that you're coming into a country that is not necessarily, is that is not the same as the country that you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, your dietary restrictions, um, learning the language, understanding the culture, the do's and the don'ts. Um, and right. just come for a great time. Yeah. Yeah, for a great time. Awesome. Well, thank you so so much for joining us on this episode, yeah. Bernice. We really enjoyed um, hearing about um, your experience um, oh. in Taiwan. Um, and I, I mean, I feel like I learned so much. So much. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad, man. I'm glad. I mean, it was great. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm, and just to say, this is just my experience. I don't, I'm not the spokesperson for the whole black community here. <laughs> but there are, yeah, there are certain, there are certain, um, you know, people who have not necessarily had the best of times here, but, um, right. you know, it is, it is what it is. Well, um, and everything, everything exists on a spectrum, right? Yes, so. correct, correct, correct. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we will include um, the links for um, Black in Asia yes, that you yes. guys can go um, support, and we'll see if we can do like a giveaway or something on <gasps> our. Um... <laughs> that would be great. I mean, if you want me to sign, if you want me to sign it, I can sign it. Oh, oh boy! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were trying to see. I know we were trying to see if we can get like all of the writers scattered throughout Asia to sign like their chapters and stuff. But it it would not necessarily be logistically feasible. <laughs> that, that would be a lot to do. But yeah, just just let me know. Um, we're going to have a book launch in Taipei in the coming two three weeks, and we're really okay. excited to have that. It's the first actual in person launch that we're having and so um this is great i think that this book is really important especially and it can help those who are actually on the fence of coming into asia to right. have the variety of the stories of, of, of people who are living here who have lived here yeah um, directly from them as well right. yeah right yeah mm-hmm. all right well hey guys it's been another episode of the caribbean millennial podcast yes. Yes.